I'm excited to get to today's guest, but first I wanna tell you about our sponsor, CTC Math. Our family uses and loves CTC Math. So if you're looking for a great online math curriculum, visit ctcmath.com to sign up for your free trial. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. I'm so glad you're with me today. We are playing some of our best of episodes because we are traveling right now and out on the road getting to meet many of you. It's so very exciting. So we hope that you will enjoy this episode. I'm sure it will bring you great encouragement. And also, if you are interested in supporting the ministry of Schoolhouse Rocked, go to schoolhouserocked.com and you'll see the Donate Here button. That's really a huge blessing to us to help support the travel and the ministry as we take Schoolhouse Rocked on the road. Now enjoy this best of episode of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back with Abby Ranella today and we have another fantastic guest on with us. His name is Tim Barton. Many of you I know have heard of him. He is the president of Wall Builders, um, which is a national pro-family organization that presents America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our religious, moral, and constitutional heritage. I love that. I listened to uh, Wall Builders Live, which is his podcast that he does with his dad, uh, David Barton and Rick Green. Many of you, of course, have heard Rick. He's been on our podcast as well. And uh, these men are making a huge difference in our nation, in our world, and having just a great impact. Talking about history, the history of our nation, how our nation was founded on godly principles. And so we are thrilled to have Tim here. We've, we've been working through the schedule, trying to get him on the podcast for a while. And you are a busy, busy man, Tim. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Well, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I, I appreciate your persistence because it did take a while to get this scheduled, but I'm so happy to do it with you guys. Yeah, well, we are honored to have you. We got to see you speak live back in, I think it was December in Georgia. And you and your dad and Rick were doing kind of a tour of Georgia trying to get some action and get some fire under people uh, with the election that was going on at the time. And um, we heard you speak and I'd heard you speak before, but I heard you in person. I was like, oh, we got to get him on the podcast. And so uh, just the impact that you're making is so great. So we're thrilled to have you. Can you, you. introduce us really quickly to your family and, and to wall builders, what you do, what your ministry is? Well, sure. So I, I'm married. Uh, my wife's name is Gabby. We have a two-year-old. My wife is also pregnant uh, with another one on the way. And so our family is growing and expanding. I work with my dad, David Barton, who's been, man, doing stuff with American history for more than 30 years now. Uh, and so God's really opened up a lot of doors and, and given him a, a pretty big platform to be able to help communicate a lot of the truth of our nation. Uh, and actually, that's what we do at Wall Builders. We talk a lot about, uh, as Abby, excuse me, as uh, Yvette, I guess you're the one that said it. We, we talk a lot about America's forgotten history and heroes. We emphasize the religious, the moral, the constitutional heritage. But but part of where that comes from is really it's a challenge. We want to help the nation. And that's actually where the name Wall Builders comes from. It's uh, from the book of Nehemiah in the Bible, where Nehemiah was part of the Babylonian captivity, where Israel was taken to Babylonian, and, and he saw his nation had been destroyed and, and his heart was he wanted to see Jerusalem rebuilt and God used Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah 2.17, it says, come, let us rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach. And the idea back then was that the, the strength of a city, the strength of a nation oftentimes was determined by how secure it was, the walls that it built around it. And 
back in the 80s. My dad was looking at America and, and this people that maybe remember the 80s when there was a, a rise in violent crime and sexually transmitted disease and teen pregnancy and so much was happening as as a nation really was in a lot of moral turmoil my dad felt kind of the call of nehemiah that we we want to help rebuild the religious the moral the constitutional heritage of the nation and that's what we've largely done uh for for those who maybe are watching this video not just listening for those listening i'll try to describe it but i'm sitting in in the corner of a museum where around us we have a lot of historical artifacts in our collection we have more than 120,000 items from before 1812. so it's considered the largest private collection of original documents from the founding era and the way we tell American history is we actually use original source documents to say, instead of maybe what some professor said about the founding fathers, we actually can go to their writings and say, here's what the founding fathers actually wrote, here's who they wrote it to, and here's the document where they wrote it. And it's it's kind of a game changer when it comes to telling the story of history, because one of the things that now most people recognize is we're in a culture where it's hard to know what's true, and yeah. it's hard to know who you can trust at times. And it's certainly that way when you look at American history. There's a lot of things that have been said about America for, for decades that, that flatly are not true, that are very dishonest or very deceiving. And so the way we try to correct that problem is we go back to the original documents and we say, here's what they wrote, here's where they wrote it. And, and that's what we're trying to do to help restore some of this moral, religious, and constitutional heritage to the nation. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love that you talk about truth, because as Christians, we can look to God's word for truth for scripture, but we don't get American history truth from scripture. And so I, I love that you guys, I mean, you have spent years and years, you know, your your dad and yourself, I know, because you've been involved in this as well, have spent pretty much your whole lifetime uh, gathering these documents together mm -hmm. and resources to be able to say, this is really what the truth of our country is. This is what we were founded on. This is what we're based on. And this is the direction that they saw our nation going. This this was the purpose of our nation, which is really freedom. I mean, that mm -hmm. was the whole purpose is to have a free society. And we've strayed so far from it. It's interesting to hear you talk about your dad watching the kind of decline of morality happening in, in the 80s, because we look at what's happening today. And when I look back, I was born in 1974. So when I look back at my childhood, it seems like things were pretty good. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like things were a mess. And now you look at what's going on today and you're like, oh, good golly, things are just such right. a mess. And it really is because we have no biblical morality anymore. I mean, it is just, I won't even say it's in decline anymore. I mean, it just seems sure. oftentimes like it's gone. It's just not even there. And And what we used to call evil is now called good. And what we used to call good is now called evil. Yeah. So I would love for you to talk about how how is it that biblical morality produces a free society yeah so so first of all one of the things that as you alluded to is the founding fathers wanted americans to have freedom and, and there was a lot of reasons that they cared about that not the least of which was biblical truth but one of the things that they understood very well john adams said that our constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, meaning that our constitution would not work in a nation where they didn't have an underpinning of moral values. Mm -hmm. Actually, America's not the only nation that has tried to use the United States constitution. There have been other nations over the last several decades that have actually copied portions of our constitution or even taken by and large the whole constitution and tried to use it in their nation and it failed miserably for them. Well, the reason is that John Adams explained it, this only works when you have a moral and a religious people. The reason that matters 
is the, the whole premise of the founding fathers was they wanted to give freedom to people. They recognized the role of government was very restrictive and that government's primary purpose was to protect our God-given rights. It's what they outlined in the Declaration. This is the reason government exists. But, but the only way that actually makes sense, the only way that actually works is if you're going to give freedom to people, they have to have a uniform code of morals upon which they're going to govern themselves. Because if you give freedom to immoral people, then you need more government to control the and restrain the immorality. So freedom only works when you have people who have a moral code they're going to follow. And this is why the founding fathers, without exception, promoted biblical truth, even ones that founding fathers today, we might argue that maybe they weren't Christians because they didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. There's only a couple founding fathers that fall in that category. But for example, like Benjamin Franklin, toward the end of Benjamin Franklin's life, he wrote a letter where he questioned the divinity of Jesus. He said, I'm not totally sure if he's the son of God or not, but I know that there is a God who created the universe. I know that he governs it by his providence. I know that he rewards the good. He punishes the wicked. I know he's given us the Bible for direction. Like Benjamin Franklin was closer to maybe an Orthodox Jew than he was a deist or an agnostic or an atheist. But, but even a guy like Benjamin Franklin, who wasn't sure about the divinity of Jesus, he still acknowledged we need biblical truth in our nation because that's the only way freedom works is when everybody understands you don't murder, you don't commit adultery, right? You don't steal, you don't covet your neighbor's stuff. That's the underpinning that allows America to function. And as you pointed out, we're now in a place in our nation where Christians aren't even sure of moral truth anymore, right? It's one thing to look at the nation and say, okay, there's all these unsaved heathens out there who are rejecting moral truth, but, but on some level, we, we, we wouldn't expect necessarily that people who aren't Christians to necessarily follow biblical truth because they don't believe in the Bible. But you would certainly expect people who profess Christianity right. to want to follow biblical truth. And now we're at a place where in American culture, even though the majority of Americans still profess, self-identify as being Christians, they still profess Christianity. The majority of Americans no longer believe in absolute moral truth. We don't believe in the Bible anymore. And this is why we're seeing so much more of a decay in our culture. The problem right now is not just American culture is falling apart. The problem is American Christians are no longer believing the Bible. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Remember the songs that you learned as a little child? They're still deep in your memory and on the tip of your tongue, and they'll last a lifetime. Imagine if those precious songs had taught you God's Word. Using the classical model, BibleQuest provides both a plan and ready-to-use tools like scripture memory songs, games, and activities to make lifelong teaching of the Bible easy and effective. Simply pick a few tools for the week, practice them together, and enjoy how easy and effective teaching God's Word can be. Try four weeks free at BibleQuestClassical.com forward slash rocked. That's R-O-C-K-E-D. Do you want to encourage independent learning in your students? Do you have multiple students with individual learning styles? Homeschooling is an excellent opportunity to customize your child's education. BJU Press is here to help. For each academic subject, BJU Press has created video lessons that will lead your child through each of their courses. Your child will experience thorough lesson content administered by experienced and engaging teachers who will walk your child through the assignments so they know what to expect. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com to see what courses are available for your student. 
Okay, no, go to the contest. Right. Okay. okay. And okay. to the contest. To the contest. Yeah, okay. get to it. So, or dying. Here it is. We are going to give away five DVDs. Here's all you have to do to enter the contest. Leave a review for the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Go to schoolhouserocked.com slash summer. And it will take you to just a very simple form to fill out. And then from that, from all of our responses that we get, we will choose five winners. So that's it. Schoolhouserocked.com slash summer. Leave a review for the podcast. We would love that. If you would do that, just take a few minutes. It's super, super simple to do. We are back with Tim. Um, so before the break, you were talking about how so many don't believe in absolute moral truth anymore. And as as we have looked at society and the decline of society, we... Um, Garrett and I, through our study and through filming a documentary on education, we have seen that so much of the reason for this is because of education and indoctrination mm -hmm. through the public school system and that this, it's very intentional what has happened. So can you talk a little bit on that and how the public school system for generations has led to where we are today? Yeah, one of the things that is very interesting about education in America is the reason public schools started in the first place in America actually goes back to the pilgrims. It goes back to the Puritans. It goes back to Plymouth, where when when we had early settlers coming to America, they recognized that a lot of the atrocities that they were battling in Europe, they were battling in England, were happening because there were people who were uneducated, who were illiterate, who didn't know what the Bible said, but they were following whatever the dictates they were told, even if it was anti-biblical. And so, right, largely the Puritans, the pilgrims, these were people that professed faith on a very strong personal level. They wanted to follow God. When they came to America, the very first education law passed in America was passed in 1647. It was known as the Old Deluder Satan Act. Uh, it, it actually was printed in the code of the 1650s, which were the first early laws printed in the New World. And the Old Deluder Satan Act, they acknowledged that the chief project, the chief goal of that Old Deluder Satan is to keep man from the knowledge of scriptures. Wow. And they go through the history of, of Europe and how in Europe in the dark ages, people couldn't read or write. And then finally, the, the Bible was translated out of Latin, out of Greek, out of Hebrew into the language of common man English. And they learned the Bible and they realized what, what they had been doing or what they believed for so long was wrong. And so they said, now we wanna make sure that our kids will forever know what is true. So we're going to teach them to read so they can read the Bible for themselves. Mm -hmm. This is this is the reason school started in America was to know the Bible. And this tradition continued in America, where even at the time of the founding fathers, so, so back up in the mid-1600s, this law is passed, come more than 100 years later, the founding fathers have all grown up in schools that the primary textbook by which kids learned to read in that era was the Bible. The Bible is the number one textbook you learned to read, and that yeah. was very intentional because the whole point of education was to make sure you would know the Bible in the first place. Right. So, so this was the foundation of America. That was the way it was literally for generations. Even when, when the First Amendment was written in the Bill of Rights, which the founding fathers, there were 90 members of the first Congress who did the Bill of Rights, and, and this is finally ratified and, and is accepted by the states. As this happens, the founding fathers we're not putting in charge a separation of church and state, which is what people argue the First Amendment says today. The founding fathers actually were promoting religion, morality, knowledge, and education. This was something in almost every single state constitution they had passed in their state constitutions that you have to teach the Bible in schools. This was required in states. Now, let's jump way forward. And the reason I brought up the First Amendment is because even in the mid-1800s, there were constitutional challenges from atheists in America who said, we shouldn't be forcing kids to learn the Bible. We shouldn't be forcing kids to learn religion. Pastors were actually coming on school campuses and evangelizing kids 
there, there's a really interesting decision, uh, Vidal versus Gerard's exec- executors that was argued before the U.S. Supreme Court back in 1844, where the U.S. Supreme Court gave a unanimous ruling in which they said that if if somebody did not want to receive a religious education that was going to promote the Bible, that was going to have worship on school campuses, and that was going to allow gospel ministers on campus to evangelize the students, then they would need to go to a private school because private schools can teach whatever they want. But public schools, if they receive government funding, they were going to promote the Bible, allow gospel ministers on campus, have worship service. This was public school, and this was unanimous 1844. Now, let's, let's keep going forward. In the late 1800s, you have a lot of change in science and academia across the world, but certainly the impact is felt in America, and part of that happens with Charles Darwin, right? I mean, you have in America, right, the scopes, the monkey trials, and and a lot of very evil things are unfolding and happening in America, And, and this really has a shift in academia, where we are getting away from the Bible, but one of the travesties, even if you go back to the Charles Darwin era, late 1800s in America, as this is being argued in America, one of the things that happened is pastors at that time didn't have a really good response to a lot of the evolution debate or argument. And so there was a lot of pastors who said, well, we're not going to really worry about science because our main focus is just to teach people about Jesus, so we won't worry about science. What happens over the next several decades is every time they encountered cultural conflicts, there were many Christians, pastors, and churches who instead of engaging in that conflict and finding the answer to that, they just acquiesced and said, well, we don't want to worry about that. Enter the progressives in the 1890s all the way through the 1920s, and they say we need to change everything we do in education. And this is where there was an entire pedagogy shift. If you go back to early America, there were only eight levels of education in early America. It, it very much, if you look in early America, it was similar to Bible times, similar to Jewish culture, where at the age of 13 in the Jewish culture, even to this day, there's a bar mitzvah, right, where mm-hmm. the, the boys become a man. In early America, that was kind of the thought. You went to school till you were 11, 12, or 13, and then you became a grown-up, and you got a grown-up job. You started a trade, a profession. You started your livelihood. We didn't think you're still a kid, and you need more education. There was no such thing as high school until around about the 1920s in America. And this was progressives who said, we need more time to teach kids more of what we want them to know. And this is a big shift because instead of saying we want to help kids learn to be learners, we want to help them learn to be thinkers, what was now being said is we want them to be able to repeat everything we want them to know. Well, now we're removing critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. right? We're removing problem solving. It's the reason that like today people wonder, why do we have so many of the younger generation embracing socialism today? Because they haven't been taught critical thinking skills. Because any critical thinker, all you have to do is ask a couple of basic questions to realize there's some problems with the socialism thought, such as if we just ask the question, where have nations embraced socialism and socialism helped improved the economic situation and the personal freedoms of the individuals in that nation. No nations ever embraced socialism where people had more wealth and more freedom after socialism. Well, everybody in America, right? Like that's the dream. We want to make a good living. We want to have right. freedom. We want to make choices. Well, it doesn't take very much critical thinking ability to know that socialism is not a very good economic system. It's never, it's never worked anywhere it's ever been tried. And yet what we are seeing is that kids have learned to to do whatever they're told and just regurgitate it, which actually one of the things that is very, very common in classrooms, one of the very common thoughts from teachers or professors is, okay, hey, everybody listen, write this down. It's going to be on your test. 
All we are saying is memorize and regurgitate what we are telling you. And so we have made, we've made education something that it, it, the, the focus is no longer on the student becoming a thinker. The focus now is on whatever the teacher, whatever ideology, whatever philosophy they want to instill in the student, that is now the focus, which is why we're seeing now the most radicalized ideologies and philosophies being indoctrinated into young kids where young kids are growing up hating America. Yeah. Right, right now, most kids can tell you more bad things about America than good things about America. Well, well that is utterly ludicrous when you consider that America is one of the greatest nations in the history of the world. And even today, yeah. there's no nation where you enjoy more freedom, more prosperity, more opportunity. If, if you wanna raise a family where those kids can become anything they wanna be under God's creation, America is the nation to do that. And yet, because these kids have no perspective, right? They think, well, America is the cause of all this evil in the world. And I tell kids all the time, if you wanna get some perspective, you need to get with your church, go on a missions trip to a third world nation, go see how other nations live. But mm -hmm. when you have no perspective about America and what you've heard over and over and over is how bad America is, right. it's easy to believe that because again, you have no perspective, but this is part right. of where the progressives, back in the 1920s, there was a lot of Marxist ideology being promoted even back then. And their idea was, we want to shift the way America's going. And it's actually in their writings. They said it might take 60, 80, or even 100 years but if we will invest for the long-term haul, we can shift America. Well, that's what they intended to do. Yep. And, and right, for so many Christians, we, we, we've left education to its own industry, yeah. right? I mean, just like- We, we fell into their hands. That's right. it. We could, we could talk about Hollywood, right? For, if you go back, right, pre-World War II, man, Hollywood was so pro-America. They were pro-family values in the movies. And, and Christians have, by and large, left Hollywood alone in many respects. And Hollywood has gone a very different direction. Yeah, right. This is one of the challenges of decaying culture is that everything that Christians leave alone decays right. faster. Jesus said, you are the salt and the light. When we get involved, we can bring a preservative, right? We, we bring something that cleanses, that heals, that preserves, that maintains. But when Christians don't get involved, whatever they leave decays even faster. And that's part of what we've seen with education over the many decades. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> That is so much. <laughs> um, we're right, out of time. Very well, yes, you did. Um, that's incredible. We're out of time. We're going to come back on Wednesday and we're going to continue this conversation. Um, Tim, where can people find out more about you and your ministry and what you do? Yeah, so wallbuilders.com is the best place to go for more information. Uh, we're all over social media. We have a daily radio program and a podcast people can find out more about, but wallbuilders.com is the best place to go. Okay, sounds great. We'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will be back on Wednesday to continue this fantastic conversation. We'll see you then. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.